welcome to the show, Jeremy. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So we've been chatting a little bit, but can you tell our, our listeners a little bit about yourself and where you're at, um, a little bit of your journey and what you're doing now? Sure. That's, that's a long story. <laughs> you may just go now for the next hour. Uh, so I'm in Iowa, obviously the middle of the United States. Probably mm -hmm. shouldn't say obviously, maybe everybody doesn't know that. Um, I've been, uh, from a business standpoint, I've been self-employed for the most part of my entire life. I'm 48 years old. Um, I did about 35 different jobs by the time from 18 to 21 years old, just jumping from everything they had. I worked at most of them for about two weeks and didn't like it. Went to college to go get a business degree. When I was in college, I, uh, I, uh, answered an ad to go work for a telemarketing company. So this was 1994, 95, something like that. And the job was perfect. It was, they were going to pay me $8 an hour, which was pretty good money back then for a kid mm -hmm. with no experience. They were open seven or eight to nine, seven days a week. And all they cared was that I found out, I found a way to get in there and work for 15 hours a week. So as flexible as you can get. Wow. Uh, that took was the great. Job. <laughs> I took the job. I, I, I was pretty good at it. Um, by the month, by about month three, the manager of the telemarketing company I went to work for, mind you, this is back in the telemarketing days. It was brand new. Everybody mm -hmm. didn't need to get telemarketing calls. There weren't do not call lists. I mean, it was, it was cool. It was, it was the business to be in. Right. Um, manager says, Hey, I'm getting ready to leave and start my own company. I want you to come be my right-hand guy. I'll teach you how to build a company, but you got to quit college and you've got to uh, commit to 70 hours a week with me. Wow. That's was, a big difference. It was, it was. And, and I was flattered because this guy was a stud and, and I was flattered that he chose me out of, you know, the 70 employees that he had underneath him. And so I said, all right, I'm in. And so I did, and he did. And over the next three years, we built uh, a telemarketing company where we did fundraising, and we were on the cover of uh, Forbes' top 50 telemarketing companies in the world. And he taught me how to build a business. And that wow. was the last job I ever had. I, I resigned after that, after three years, because I the stigma of telemarketing, and it, it it worn on me. I was done. Well, and it, it, it had changed quite quickly. Like, as you yes. said, in the beginning, it was fine because it was a, a new thing. But after a while, then people started to hate getting the calls. That's exactly right. And then it became the point where I didn't like going home and telling people what I did. Right. So I jump into the mortgage business, which was the hot new thing in the late 90s. Interest rates had fallen through the floor. Home values were through the roof. If you had a pulse, you could get a mortgage. Uh, I built a really big company in Iowa, uh, mortgage brokerage. I did that for seven years till the bottom fell out of that business with the housing bubble. Right. Then I jumped into the uh, life and health insurance business, chasing the baby boomers. Um, so I've been doing, and I've been doing in that business now since 2007. Um, I built a $30 million practice in about three years, wrote a book, how I did it, uh, sold my agency. And then I've been on the road for about the last eight, nine years, whatever the math on that is, uh, traveling the country and helping uh, insurance agents and agency owners build their practices. 
in between there too, I also have started and in, in partaked in the, about three other different type businesses from uh, a pizza franchise to uh, um, a couple other investment type opportunities. And so I've, I've kind of really evolved accidentally into becoming a just a natural business coach or a national business coach, I guess you should say. Most of my clients are in the life and health insurance business. Um, but I, I'm, I'm somewhat, uh, I somewhat got a range of experience with a lot of different venues. Um, but I've been self-employed since I was 23. It's been 25 years and I don't ever see something really went wrong if I'm putting an application in somewhere. Right. And I, I completely understand that. Um, and so, oh, so many questions at first. So let, let's talk about your book. So you wrote the book. Um, what, what's your, what is your book about? What does it help people do? Yeah. So, and I should preface with, it's not a book that you can go out and buy on Amazon. What, oh. I, really, what I really wrote was I wrote an operating procedure. So I spent I mean, three years, we got to $30 million. I had that agency for six years and I had a mentor my entire life. I've always had a mentor. Um, I've had two of them. And the thing that he really impressed upon me was to write down everything. And so I documented every sales meeting I ever had. I documented all of our marketing processes and sales scripts and presentations and and all of the forks in the road decisions that I had to make in building the agency and really wrote a really comprehensive SOP or playbook for how to build an insurance agency. And so it's all been tailored. And so now I, I spent some money and some time and, and made that very legible and, and professional. <laughs> and so now it's a, it's a playbook that I teach from and offer out to insurance agents and agency owners. Okay. And I mean, that makes sense. It's uh, from all your experience over the years, it's, I'm, I'm sure it's a, a great uh, tool to have available um, for, for yourself and for, for everybody for your training. Yeah. And it's always just, it's grown and got better through the years because for the last eight years, I'm going into different agencies, not all of them struggling. Some of them doing really well where I've stolen stuff from them, you know, what's working for them or, you know, and improved things that at this point, the playbook's not even, it's probably only about 30% stuff of mine that I used to do. And it's really uh, evolved into a greatest hits type uh, manual for people. Well, and that's, I mean, that's, but that's part of business, right? That's, that's what we need to do. What, what worked, I'm going to say in, in any business 10 years ago is, yeah. is not working today, right? Yeah. So as part of business, as time evolves, technology changes, everything like that, we have to be willing to change as well. So any, any type of, of, of book like that or procedure like that does have to evolve over time because even if I look at stuff and I, I, if I'm Googling something even, and if it's an article, I'm always searching for a date. Like when was this article written? Because if it was written in 2016 or 2017, right. I don't really want to read it because chances are with a lot of things, it's now outdated information. Yeah, that's right. I, I don't know if Zoom existed in 2010 or 11 or 12 or 13 or 14 of the years I was building my agency, but if somebody told me it did exist and they said they were going to go talk to someone and sell them a financial or insurance product all on the internet, I would have told them, 
not a chance you're ever going to make that sale. And now half the sales, they don't even meet face to face. So right. technology has changed that a ton too. Yeah. I, I don't know about Zoom. I think Skype. I think Skype was, yeah, was, uh, person, was one yeah. of the first kind of right. video call things was was Skype. Yeah, and yeah. I think it did come, I think that was about the era, you know, the early 2010s. Mm -hmm. I, I think somewhere in there, it, you're right, it did pop up. But you, you certainly weren't, people were talking, having meetings through that. I don't think many people no. were doing it's, sales. Yeah, I think it was more just one of those things that if people were traveling and they could connect with family and friends in different cities or traveling yeah, or something. Yeah, right, right, uh, it, right. Yeah, it wasn't really, I, I think honestly, I mean, I'm sure there was video calls and, and things going on, but really it, the pandemic is what changed everything for it. Yeah, that definitely escalated big time. Everybody's re, uh, acceptance to doing things not face-to-face. Right. Yep. Right. So yeah, it's um it's things things have changed so much in in the last while. Um and so as as we've said, you know, we have to a good business has to evolve. It has to change. It has to change its its marketing plan, how it's doing things. So what do you find um you've been in in several different industries um and maybe there's a few different things within each but what do you find has been the the biggest struggles or problems that people are generally dealing with within their business um well i i have i have been in some businesses that are retail type businesses the majority of the businesses that you know i've really been in both feet dove into are based around sales okay mm -hmm. and for the last eight years, I've traveled around and I've met with a whole lot of people that have their hand in the air that say, I'm stuck. How do I grow my business from where I'm at? And almost always there is a, there's a common thread that they almost all have. And that is that they get so focused on how am I making money? How do I make money? That they forget a lot of the fundamental things that are so essential to that question being answered with ease. So for example, uh, again, I'll speak from my familiar and I'll talk about the insurance mm -hmm. business for a second. Okay. There are so many people that get in the insurance business and they get their license and they get some insurance contracts and now it's time to go out and sell some insurance. Mm -hmm. And so they are so centered and focused around how do I get in front of as many appointments as I can and how do I close as many of those appointments how do I sell as many things as I can and it's like any business it's hard in the beginning right you know so the sleepless nights of am I gonna be able to pay my bills this week or this month that's you get in this bubble mm -hmm. and I can't tell you how many times that I have met people that are self-employed selling something I've talked to them year two or year three into the business they're hanging on by a thread or maybe they're making a little bit of money that have never went back and incorporated their business that have never what? went back. Oh gosh. Yes. Never. They've never went back and, and got QuickBooks or financial softwares to keep track of their, their recordings. They've never went back and really learned the tax game, all the fundamental stuff to, if I was a business person, be the first mm -hmm. things I did. Right. But they're, they're coming in as, insurance agents or they're coming in as salespeople 
And it's a totally different mindset to think about your business from a sales standpoint versus a business owner standpoint. And if you think about it as a business owner standpoint first, it makes your sales business so much easier. Right. So I don't know, that's the first thing that came to mind from a common thread. No, that's, that's, I mean, I'm, I'm actually just completely shocked by that because in, in my mind, I mean, I, similar to you, I've, I've been self-employed since my early twenties. And one of the first things that I did when I decided I was going to start my own business is I took a, a business course. Yep. Um, and just, it was, oh gosh, I mean, we're going back 20 some years. Um, I think it was like one or two days a week. It was part of the, the college that I was at and, and just went through and, and I learned a lot from it. Um, and, and yeah, so it was just, as you said, some of the, the basic things and incorporating and, you know, just to Excel spreadsheet was how I was keeping track of money that was going out, what was coming in, all my expenses, everything like that, because I just needed basics just to begin. And then obviously evolving more from there and, and finding, you know, that not always is my own home country the best place to be incorporated in. I can incorporate in other countries, save more taxes, not have to worry about as much paperwork and things like that. And, and, and always learning though. So I'm still doing the business, but I'm always learning what's new, taking a, a business course, accounting and psychology, like always kind of building on, on myself for the business. Well, you're showing your age a little bit now. <laughs> no. Now, I've never met you before this phone call, and you're beautiful, and I would never guess you to be the age you told me we were before we got on this call. Um, but, you know, if you're, if you talk to somebody who is, I don't know, let's say they're above the age of 35. <laughs> we, were, we were indoctrinated into, what do you do after high school? You go, go to college, college. you <laughs> get the education. Right. Now, less and less and less people are going that route and they're jumping right into the business world. And, you know, again, I can only speak from the United States, but when I was in high school, I, you know, I had to take four years of geometry and algebra and stuff that I've never used once in the real world. We did not have we didn't have a business class that was a mandate anyway. We didn't have shop class. We didn't have, uh, you know, cooking class, anything that was actually going to be useful in life. And it's still that way today is, you know, bureaucracy. But because of that, and because of the way that younger people think now, when I go into sales organizations or I go into any business for that matter, people have just jumped in. Mm -hmm. you just jump well, in. business it's easy i can just be on youtube and post on social media and now i have right. a business right and you know what even if that is your business even if you are a social media person first of all i start so one of my big things is my big passion plays now is i've got a youtube channel i'll plug it it's jeremy smith academy <laughs> uh, there is good stuff on there even if you're not an insurance agent um but even if you're just doing a being a social media person Man, I've learned over the last three years, there's all kinds of business elements that go into just that business. There that is. It's not just pick your phone up and do a selfie video and place it on. I mean, that might be what you start with, but eventually if you're going to turn into a real business, there's a lot more elements that go that go into it than that, that even mm -hmm. I had to learn the hard way. Um, 
it's a lot of work. It's there, there's a yeah. lot of things because then it becomes like it's one thing, as you said, you know, I, we can do a quick little video. It's great. It's for our friends. It's a hobby. No big right. deal. It doesn't really matter. But when it comes a business, it's it's a new ball game when it becomes a business. Well, so obviously you have a podcast. The biggest podcast in the world is Joe Rogan. Mm hmm. If you listen to his story, what he talks about all the time, when he started his podcast, it was a hobby. It was just for fun so he could talk to his friends. Podcasting wasn't even a big thing when he started. Right. And, and now it's a, you know, I don't know what his annual income is, but he's it's doing okay. He's, yeah, he's doing They evolved it, turned it into a real mm -hmm. business. And at some point, you know, people have to, if you, and I know we're not specifically talking about social media, but at some point, somebody reaches the point where they say, all right, I dip my feet in. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was an accident. Maybe it was deliberate, but there's mm -hmm. something here. And I want to make this a, a career. Right. Well, in order to do that, in order to really make that happen, unless you're one of the very few people that just got really lucky with the niche that you're in, mm -hmm. you got to start thinking about it as a business and mm -hmm. putting that I'm a business owner mindset on versus I'm just doing what I know right now. If you can step back and do that, it'll make it'll make your 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 pace so much faster and so much easier and so less stress. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I agree. And even if it's you know they they can still be be working on it and doing what they're doing, but and it's not you know as as you said to step back a little bit. It can be just a few hours a week working yeah. on business essentials, learning some new business stuff, some basic accounting until you get to the point where you're hiring an accountant or a bookkeeper and things. Cause it's, you have to know these things that we do ourselves because how do you hire somebody who's better than you? Because that's the ideal goal, but you have to know the basics to hire somebody that's better than you. Because if you don't know, and, and I've seen it happen that people will hire, let's say a VA, for example, and there's so many amazing VAs out there but the, the person will come in, they're like, oh, I'm hiring a VA, just, I need you to do all my social media. You have experience with it. Okay, just do it. It's like, well, that's like your brand. That's things about you. You can't expect them to do the job that you would do or how you would do it or the way you want it. If you just say, yeah, just take care of my social media, post once a day, look through, see what I post and, and go ahead. Like there's really a lack of training. And that's where, as you said, when you were doing your things, um, writing everything down, how you did everything, yes. making the, how those operating procedures. So, and and I use the social media as an example, not that somebody's just like being a social media person, but I don't know, 80%, 90%, 99% of businesses have a social media presence. And so it's, if you're going to spend the time to do it or hire somebody to do it, you want to make sure it's done right. My mentor always said to me, if your business can't operate without you, you don't have a business. You're self-employed. Yes. And, and, and so in order to accomplish that mission, you better be able to drop Johnny out of a helicopter with your playbook or your manual and him be able to go duplicate what you did wherever you dropped him off at and be successful and not have to call you every five minutes. If you get to that point where that's done, now you can scale your business. Now you can grow it. And eventually, I mean, the, you know, to me, people always ask me a lot of times, you know, I've done a few podcasts, I've done it, lots of different uh, events. And the question always comes up to me of what do I view success as? 
Mm, always, you know, right? that's, a, that's always a big broad question that people use when they haven't put any thought into a good question. But the <laughs> answer, my answer to that is, is I've got a whole lot of friends and associates that have a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And they work their tails off. Mm -hmm. And I've got a whole bunch of friends that don't have any money mm -hmm. and have all the time in the world. To me, the, the pinnacle, what success is for me, it's not a dollar figure. It's just having control of my time and my money at the same time. It's mm, a good answer. You know, I mean, in order to do, I can do all the things I want to do. And, I, and mm -hmm. if I want to go do it, I just go do them. Right. Um, you know, and so if that's, if, if anybody watching this agrees with that, and that is a vision that looks like happiness to them, I'm telling you that there is there's a couple fundamental things that are involved in that. And the big one is what we're talking about right now is writing a playbook for where we're going. Another one, and and boy, this was something that I really struggled with in my early years. People, you'd read books, you'd, you'd listen to inspirational speakers, you'd listen to success stories, and they all were goal orientated. Mm -hmm. I was never a goal orientated person. Mm -hmm. I just went to work, and right. I wanted to make as much money as I could. Um, but I never took the time in my twenties, heck, even through my early thirties to ever really paint in the picture of where I wanted my business to go and what I wanted to look like in two or three or five years. And as I got a little older in life and I took the time to set back and paint that picture in what I found in all my businesses was I made very different decisions on a daily basis because I knew where I was trying to get to mm -hmm. versus just approaching every day and I'm going to go work hard and, and it'll all work out in the end. Right. Because for me, always turned into the rat race of I might make $30,000, $40,000 in a month, uh, but I had to go to work the next month to go make money. To, I spent that money or I allocated that money and I had to go work it, do it all again, just as hard to go pay the bills or pay for what I just bought that month before it was, it, it was a never ending circle until I painted that picture in. And I made a very clear vision for what I wanted my business to look like. It, it made my daily decisions different. And I honestly, I think that if you just do those two things, it'll put you on a pathway to be able to control your time and your money a lot faster. I, I agree. And, and time, you know, to me, time is our most valuable asset. Sure. We only have, well, we don't know how much. And when it's, when it's up, like it's up, you, you can't buy more time. Um, and, and one of the things I find too, especially when people maybe are just starting out or, or, or they could be in business for a year, and, and, but they're feeling that overwhelm of, well, I still got to do the social media and I still got to reach out to so many clients and I still have to produce what I need to produce and I still have to do all these things. And and they sit down every morning or in the evening and they think, okay, I have to do all these things today. And they just like, okay, what should I do first? Or maybe I should do this. Oh, and I'm going to open that window on my computer because, oh yeah, I've got to do that. I'm going to do that. And, and even then their day is more spread out. So when you do like what you've done and said, okay, in, in one year, three years, five years, this is where I want my business to be. Then they can go back and say, okay, well then over this year, what do I need to do kind of on a monthly basis? What do I need daily? Do I need to contact 10 new clients a day? Instead of contacting all day 30 people and then not contacting anybody for a week. And then, you know, five days later, contacting 30 more people and then not contacting. And to make it more consistent every single day also becomes better as well. 
Yeah. And, you know, on that note, you know, in, in my experience, one of the most important things that a self-employed person has to do is say no. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's because as you grow and the more people you meet and the more people that are in your circle, the more ideas come to you, the more options come to you, the more opportunities come to you. And you can't say yes to everything. There's not no. enough hour in the day. Although I'd like to, I, I have a little bit of that shy. Oh, I could do that or I could do that. And it's like, you know, I get it. We, I yeah. tell myself no. I have to tell myself no. If you're if you don't get excited about all those opportunities, you're probably not really your DNA is really not an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurs love the mess of, oh, things are coming at me right and left. And now, I, to me, I, 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 I had, again, I, I, this was taught to me by someone else, but one big step process that, that helped me so much with that is I start every single day. I've got my morning routine. Mm -hmm. And then when I get to my desk. I spend 15 minutes and I write my to-do list as elementary as that seems on what mm -hmm. I'm going to, what I've got to get done today. And I prioritize that to-do list and that drives my entire day. And inside of that to-do list in the morning when my brain's still really fresh and, and it's not only the first thing, but it's definitely in the AM, I always set aside a time slot, whether that be 30 minutes or so that has nothing to do with my mandatory things that I have to get done today. And all I do for that 30 minutes is that is my innovative 30 minutes where all I do is that's where my creativity gets to run wild about, all right, these new ideas that have came to me, how do they help me get to this three-year goal I'm trying to get to, or do they or do they not? And if they don't, they're out. But all of a sudden Skype is a thing now. I wonder if I can use that in my business, things that come to me. And, and I do, I love, that's my favorite 30 minutes of the day is, is trying to figure out what new ideas are out there that I could innovate my business to be at. And when that bell goes off, my creative side is over. I'm back to my, this is the things I know I've got to do now. I'll revisit that tomorrow morning at 1030. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm a type A personality. And so I, I, my, what I really want to do is I want to, I want to revolt against structure. Okay. I don't want to have my whole day scheduled out. Right. And I don't ultimately, I don't, but inside of that day, I got to get this crap done. I got to get this mandatory stuff done. And I've learned that if I, if, if I in the morning say, these are the things that have to get done. I've got my little time slot for my creative. And then these are the things if I've got time afterwards, I'll get to, even though I don't like structure, it helps me so much in making sure that at the end of the day or end of the week, I've accomplished and I've moved the ball down the field. Mm -hmm. That's very much like me. Um, I hate the word schedule or list. Like yep. I, and like, yep. even when I say them, I almost like cringe a little bit. I'm like, and I don't know why it's been, and, and I get like, sometimes I will do the lists and I'll be like, I hate doing this, but then I go through and I, you know, cross stuff off and I feel great. But I'm like, wow, I've got this stuff done. It's, um, it's good for me because then it's, I know what I need to do. I just do it. It gets done. And then, I, cause otherwise sometimes I go, yeah, I have to do this. Oh, but I have to do that too. And then, but that, oh, but that, and what's more important. And it's just, you know, even if it's 10 minutes here, 15 minutes there, 20 minutes there, it, it just adds up over time. And I would rather have it where it's like, these are the things I know I need to do. 
get them done. And then I can put together all that 10, 20, 15 minutes, five minutes throughout the day um, that add up. And then I can do something that's like, okay, great. I've got all those things done. Now I can do whatever I want to do. Well, in a psychology 101, right? It doesn't do you any good to put a goal or a vision out if you're not going to have a reward for getting there. So, mm-hmm. you know, the first, if, and I'm just like you. And so if, if the first thing that I hate the most about my daily life right now is I've got to do all this paper pushing, I've got to do all these mundane things that I hate doing, then my first thing I want to figure out this first step is how do I get to the point where I can hire an assistant to do all the things that I'm not good at and I don't want to do? That's my first goal right there. What are the things I got to do a roadmap to get me to that spot? What are the roadmaps after that, that I get to hire this person? So I have to do that because the ultimate goal, probably one of your first major goals is to get to the point where all you're doing is the stuff you want to be doing. You know, and I had this exact conversation with a friend of mine today Um, she's got a website she's been working on it for a very long time and she sent me a message and she just said I'm so tired of this feeling like I hate doing what I'm doing I'm so tired of it it's I'm getting that feeling more often than not so I just messaged her I'm like do you want to have a chat and and I, I basically like with her we're great because I can just cut to the chase get right to the point and I said look you have three options here you either continue to do what you're doing and you'd be miserable more days than not and hate what you're doing. And she said, and I want to cry in public. And I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> that's, you know, like that's, that's really bad if that's how you're feeling right now. I said, so optioning is you continue to do that and, and you change nothing and you just try to push through. Option two is you sell your website. You know, what, what can you get for it? And she said, well, I could probably get enough that I can live for three or four years. And I'm like, that could give you three to four years to start something new, figure out what you want to do and just, and not be stressed for the next three to four years. She's like, yeah, but I can't sell yet. I'm just, I'm not ready. I have too much to do. And I said, I'm sorry, honey, it's a website. There's always things to do. You're <laughs> never going to be done. You're going to be done the day you sell it. That's yeah. just the way it is. Or, and I said, or option three is you hire people to do this stuff that's driving you nuts that you hate doing. So you can work on doing what you want to do. Yeah. Those are, those are your three options. That's, that's where you're at. And so we chatted, it was about 20 minutes. She's like, you're right. She's like, tonight I'm hiring somebody. She's like, I'm hiring two, two people. I said, well, hire, hire your one and then have, cause there's, you know, like with websites and there's always stuff changing or things that need to be fixed and, and stuff like that. So I said, so hire your one to do all your admin work. That's been driving you nuts today that you hate doing. And then have somebody that's kind of a casual part-time that you can contact a freelancer to say, Hey, I've got this problem with my website. Can you fix it? Hey, this is kind of not working right. Whatever those types of things. And, and you have somebody that you can kind of have on call, but hire your admin person and take care of all those things that you don't want to do. Yeah, you know, and I, <clears throat> a little bit off of that, you know what? One of my first things that I tell most sales, most self-employed people they need to do is they need to hire somebody just in general. Great. If they take off the crap that you don't want to do, that's awesome. That's an added benefit. But there's a real value in having an employee or multiple employees, but having somebody. (laughs) And that is this. The number one thing that self-employed people struggle with is that we have the freedom to do what we want every day. Yeah. All right. And when we're accountable to nobody other than ourselves, it's really easy to say, I'm going to do that tomorrow and I'm going golfing today. Mm-hmm. whatever your whatever your thing is it's it's, mm-hmm. it's so easy to do that 
And what I've found, and I've had multiple times in my life, especially the last 12 years, where it was just me. I didn't have any employees. I, I sold the companies and I had nobody that I was accountable to. And I can tell you that on average, those days were way less productive than the days where I had a I had somebody that was coming to work at eight for me that I had to be accountable to them. Because if I wasn't in the office working, they're not working. Right. Certainly not working as hard as they were would be if I was there. So not only to do the give you the ability to do more of what you want to be spending your time doing, but it also is going to make yourself make you put more output out. Yeah, I, I agree. I remember um, at one point I, I was having a number of people working for me um, and and there were days I was I was thinking, shit, I got to get all this stuff done because they're they're going to need it tomorrow or they're they're waiting on me to get something to them so they can do their job. And so it does, it does put more pressure um, in, in a good way to make sure that things are done so then they can do what they needed to do. At that time, I didn't have all of my standard operating procedures and things done. I, I brought in a number of interns at the same time, which probably wasn't the best idea at the time. But, you know, it, it, I ended up getting a lot done, pushed through, they got it done. And, and it was uh, it definitely was a learning experience for sure. But I, I was more productive then because... I, it was accountability. I had to. And then not only that, but it was also, I need to make sure that I'm making more than enough money because I'm paying them. They're depending on me for a paycheck to make sure the work is done, to bring in the money, to also employ them as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and also <clears throat> be careful what you wish for too. Mm -hmm. uh, I, uh, when I started my insurance brokerage in 2009, my goal in that trying to figure out that vision standpoint, my goal was all financially driven. It was all about how do I get to the point where I'm going to make a half a million dollars? That's mm -hmm. my, my, my first big goal. Your vision should not all be about monetary. It should also be about time. What will you be doing when that, at that point you're drawing the picture from? I figured out that in order for me to make that type of money, and for me to not have to be out selling every day doing the same thing, which is not what I wanted to be doing, that I needed to have a whole bunch of insurance agents work for me. Mm -hmm. And so as fast as I could, I built a recruiting system, a marketing system. I had all the structure for them. And really quickly, in, in under two years, I had 30 insurance agents working for me and we were cranking business out. And I was thinking, man, I got there, I got there way faster than I thought I would. And then I looked around and realized that all I'd really done was I had to built myself a large adult daycare where I had to babysit their finances and their emotions and pat them on the back and kick them in the butt in order to pay for the job that I'd now created for myself. Yeah. That was really quickly then that my vision of what I wanted my company to look like was going to be a lot different on this new revamp of my vision. Mm. And so. I mean, that was, that's another, I accidentally came across that, but that's, that's another big vision or I guess recommendation I'd tell people is as you're painting that vision, money doesn't get you everything. You've no. got to have money and the control of your time at the same time. And if, if you, if you just write that on a sticky note, put it on the corner of your monitor of your computer and live and die by all your decisions on that, if it's not driving you towards that, 
and some people are different. Some people it is just, I want to be the, the biggest and the wealthiest person I can. And there are those people out there. Um, you know, it's a value system. Everybody's got to figure out for themselves. Right. And, and, and that's right. Because what's for, for me, it's, it's balance. I mean, I, to me, the definition of success, and I, I think generally as society, we need to, to change that definition. It is, you know, having, having the ability to do what I want when I want, but the freedom to not have to um, be a slave to anybody. Like I don't need to be making millions and millions of dollars. I don't want to be going to work 12 hours a day, be exhausted or 18 hours, come home, go to bed, then do it all over again the next day. And, and sure, I've got, you know, millions in the bank, but I'm not enjoying it. That's not life. What's to me, it's, it's, it's not, it's not good. I, I want to be able to go on holidays, spend time with my family, go for dinners, um, you know, do those, those things, go lay on the beach for an afternoon because, you know, life is good and it's comfortable. Yep. Yep. I, uh, I was, I was the first person, you know, in my twenties, it was all about making the dollar. And then I lost, you know, one of my very best friends at a very early age in life and realized that tomorrow isn't, you know, guaranteed and, you know, that all that stuff. And it did, it changed my psyche on you know, my value system. Mm -hmm. so anyway and no and it's 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 true and i think like we all know you know we all know we're not going to live forever we never know when it's going to happen but until until it happens to us personally we kind of don't really we're like yeah yeah we know but when all of a sudden it's somebody close to you that's that passes away it, it it's kind of like that extra kind of punch in the, the gut or that hit in the face that just thinks shit it's it's real like yeah we know everybody's going to die eventually but we just don't really put it into perspective until it happens very very close to us and yeah. i unfortunately have experienced that many many times over in my life and so that's why part of me is um i, I do what i do when i travel so much and i go places and i'm, I'm self-employed because i'm like i don't want anybody telling me what to do how often i can go on vacation when i can do what like there's no way and i I've kind of had the, the entrepreneurship in me since I was like a kid. I remember kids used to make fun of me at school saying that I would push my lawnmower around walking, asking people to mow lawns more than I would walk my dog. My first business was collecting money. Collecting money. Yeah. I was like uh, nine years old, I think. Um, and I just went around the entire neighborhood, knocked on the door and said, I'm collecting money. I was a cute little nine-year-old kid. And I had a whole, I had this whole little box full of cash. I don't know how much money it was, wow. 50 bucks or something. And I came home, and I was really proud. And I showed my mom and she lost her mind. And I had to go back to every single one of those houses and give them all their money back. But yeah, it was, it's, I think it's a thing that's it's put into you really early in life. Yeah. I, I, where I, it came from Because neither one of my parents uh, were business owners or entrepreneurs. I don't know where that came from, but. Um, I'm the only one in my family. And even, even out of all of my friends, um, well, until I left Canada, um, then I started to meet more people and stuff who were, who were self-employed, but um, growing up and, and even after school into my early years, I was the only one. I remember working at home back in like, I don't know, early 2000 and people would call me and, and my friends and I'd be like, okay, I need to go. I'm working. And they would say, but you're at home. And I said, yes, you drive to work. I just go up the stairs in my house to my office. I just don't need right. to drive. 
Yeah. And it, it was like a concept that they didn't really understand. Yeah. Yeah. So you're from Canada originally. I didn't know originally that. Canada. Yeah. I left 12 years ago. Yeah. About that. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's why it took me a while for I could even tell you weren't even from the States because you don't have, you don't, all, the only thing you're missing is the A. I haven't heard you say A at the end of any of your states. You so. know, it's one of those things I, <laughs> even when I was living there, it's not something I've ever said often. I don't know why. I always said, I remember when I was younger, I joked. And I remember when I was in high school, I was joking with my friends and I said, I think I've been switched at birth. And they're like, what? Your parents aren't your parents? And I said, no, I'm just kidding. I said, but I'm not, I said, I'm not meant to live here. Like I, I hate winter. I hate being cold. There's something that tells me in my, my, like my soul, my gut, everything. I'm not meant to live in this country for my entire life. Yeah. Yeah. I've always said that about living in Iowa because it's the same weather as Canada almost. And, mm-hmm. and I got out, moved out a few different states, but I never went to California. I never went to Florida. I never went to Arizona. I never went even in the States to the right climate where it just seems like, man, life would be happier. But, and unfortunately I got to, I have a daughter. And as soon as those roots start growing in the ground, those options. You, you're you're there for a while. Then you're there. Yeah. You're definitely pot there. Committed. Yeah. Pot committed. Yeah. So what would you say for, for most businesses then, um, is their biggest expense? Their time. Their time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not even close, mm-hmm. you know, but somebody may, without thinking about it, they may rattle off. It's my lease payment or my more, you know, my rent. That's not or your advertising. Those aren't your biggest expenses. I'm working on a project right now that I spend about $10,000 a month between my salary for a CMO and our ad budget for social media. Mm-hmm. And for the last three months, we went back and forth and back and forth on what our marketing approach should be. What should our messages be? Really almost what should our product be? You know, and tweaking that. Mm-hmm. And, and he, who's not writing the check, is really happy with our results. So Dude, we're making a lot of headway. We're learning lots of things, and we we we're starting to compile this database of prospects and people that we can email on a funnel basis, and and he's really happy with that. And and I, the person who's writing the checks, I'm sitting here thinking, dude, forget the thirty thousand dollars that I've spent over the last three months. The real expense is we just lost three months. Yeah, that time I'm you not, can't. It, it's time. And that's why all the things we've even talked about already on this phone call of, of making sure that you know what your right things you should be spending your time on today are, this week are, are they, are they really focused you on getting to that end game, that goal? Because if they're not, that's your biggest expense all day long. And most people don't realize that, especially 20s and 30 year olds. Right. Don't realize that because time is you know, I've got tons of time it's forever. <laughs> it's, it's forever. Right. And then you start getting older and you know, your value things change and you realize, holy crap, there's a clock ticking. I got to hurry goes, up and get. And it goes by fast. Yeah, like the older, you know, it's scientifically proven that the older we get, the faster time goes. Mm-hmm. You ever read that stuff? I, I haven't read it, but I mean, it's like, I feel it. I know it. I, I remember yeah. Being a kid, my birthday's in the summertime and from my birthday to Christmas seemed right. like forever. And now yeah. it's, I just had my birthday. It's, it's Christmas already. What? Right. 
like I'm working, I've been working on a project and I kind of put it off. I'm like, I'm just going to put it off for a few weeks, focus on a few other things that I've been working on. Um, and then I look back and I thought that was two months ago. Like I have done nothing. In two, I thought it was like, it feels like it's been a few weeks right. and it was two months ago already. Yep. Yep. It, and you know, I guarantee you there's a 25 year old that's watching us have this conversation right now and they're rolling their eyes. Yeah. It was 25 yesterday. <laughs> it, you know, so. You know, ironically, though, the person who told me at first about time saying time goes by faster as you get older. I was in junior high. She was in high school and we were we were a couple of years apart. So we knew each other in junior high. So she must have been two years older than me. And I ran into her. It was like on the bus. And she just says, oh my gosh, time is just starting to go by so fast. She said, you, you don't even realize it. And she was noticing it in high school. Yeah, and that was the first time that I heard that. And I just thought, wow, really? And, and it, it brought it to my attention. So it's always been kind of there in my mind since I was quite young because she brought it to my attention. And so I noticed it more and more and more the older I got. You should look her up on social media and find out what she's doing today and talk with her. I bet you she's a worldly, wisdom giving, smart, successful person. Because they're realizing in high school. Mm -hmm. I just, you know what? Just as you said that, it just popped into my mind now. I totally forgotten about it, but it right. just popped in. And I remember we were on the bus and I saw her, and that's what she said. It's yeah. She crazy. she owns a large company right now, I guarantee Probably. it. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely going to have to go back and, and, and look her up. But, you know, I think that is the, the perfect kind of note to end things on is time is our most valuable asset. We need to have a plan of where we want to be, the steps to put into place to what we need to do to to use it the, the best that we can use it. Yeah, it's definitely our biggest commodity. So Jeremy, where can, if people wanted to get in touch with you or follow you on social media, where, where can they, or what are the best ways for them to, to get in touch with you? Yeah, no, it's probably my YouTube channel. I've got a YouTube channel where I uh, put a lot of stuff on. Some of it's not industry specific. I put out a video last week, a seven minute video about the first seven steps somebody who is self-employed should do. That'd be it. I mean, it's, it's universal for all businesses. Mm -hmm. My YouTube channel is Jeremy Smith Academy. Um, mm -hmm. You can look me up through there. You can message me through there. Um, I've got a, I've got a website that's the same. It's Jeremy Smith Academy. Um, but yeah, and we'll we'll put those those links in in the show notes to make it easy for people. Awesome, awesome. It's great talking with you. All right. Well, thank you very much, Jeremy, and thank you very much for your time. Talk soon. Thank you. <laughs>